Who's got your Bibles with you today? Amen. Man, this looks good. Hallelujah. I challenge, if you don't know, I challenge everybody to start bringing your physical Bible with you. We still have our multimedia team. So thankful for that. Thank you, Brother Ryan, for giving that. Um, but it is, uh, there's something special about having the Word of God in your hands. And uh, I love it. I love it. And we've been getting into the Word of the Lord, and I feel just a change. I feel a change amongst the church and amongst the people of the church because we've been getting into the Word of the Lord. Amen. Well, we're going to 1 Samuel chapter 30. I'll give you a second to get there. While you're, while you're going there, uh, I just want to uh, I just want to say how proud I am. I looked up today, and uh, we've got uh, Faith was on the organ. We had uh, Presley was uh, on the drums, and Jonathan on the praise team. Come on now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, man, I just, I'm so proud of the younger generation. Um, I, I think they're going to they're gonna boot us out of our jobs soon. And uh, I know everybody up here, Brother Bob's been trying to find a replacement since I got here, and I won't let him go, so he's got to keep playing. Um, but I, uh, I'll tell you, I, I was taught from my previous leadership that uh, you should... As leaders, you should always be raising up the next generation of leaders. You should be raising up your replacement. A good leader will raise up their replacement. And you will set them up to do better things than you ever did. Amen. And you'll be the one that's behind them the whole way. So uh, if, if you love our younger generation, that, that, I want you to let them know this morning how proud we are of them. What they're doing. Amen. I'd rather have them involved in this than have them involved in the things of this world. Amen. Amen. First Samuel chapter 30, you can be reading verses 1 through 4, then we're going to jump from 6 to 7. It says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And it had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices, and they wept, until they had no more power to weep. Jump to verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because of the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And then, this is where I want you to catch these this, this verse right here. Then David said to Abathar the priest and to Ahimelech's son's son, he said, please bring the ephod here to me. Please bring the ephod here to me. And they brought the ephod 
to David. They brought the ephod to David. By the end of this message, you'll understand what I'm talking about, what the ephod is, what the purpose of the ephod, and why David in this moment said, bring it to me. I'm not going to let you have it right now in this moment. I, I need it. Bring it to me. So for a few moments, I will not be long. I'm going to speak on bring me the ephod. Everybody say, bring me the ephod. Amen. Once you put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands right now and let's ask the Lord. Right now, God, open my heart for this word. Open my mind for this word. Convict me, Lord. Challenge me with your word today. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, every single individual in this place, God, I pray challenge us today, God, with your word, Lord. I pray right now, Jesus, that you would challenge to a place, Lord, that would draw us to an altar, Lord. God, that you would convict us, oh, Lord. I pray right now, Jesus, in your mighty name, Lord. God, speak to us, oh, God, I pray. Speak, oh, God, I pray right now to the people, Lord. Speak right now, oh, God, to this congregation, Lord. Speak to this church right now, God. Speak to us, Lord. Let us hear your voice today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Amen. Can I get a little more monitor? I don't have my usual mic, and I hear myself out there, but I do not hear myself up here. <clears throat> and I know my voice will probably be gone if I don't. So, Amen. I do want, while they're doing this real quick, I do want to um, make sure everyone knows that tonight, there we go, hallelujah, a little more if you don't mind. Uh, tonight is Sunday night live. Sunday night live, come on. I'm excited. I know you might have been thinking, man, with Middleport, we'd have had three services. I just can't do that. So guess what? Now we only have two, so you can do that. We can pull off two. Seven o'clock tonight. Uh, it's going to be a great time of worship, and Brother Kidwell will be bringing the word of the Lord to us tonight, and I'm excited to hear him as he preaches to us. Amen. Amen. We live in a world of convenience. Convenience. Look at your neighbor and say convenience. Where some would rather have someone else do the hard work but they can reap the benefits of it. We live, we're raising up a generation right now that wants to go to college, but somebody else pay for it. And that's all I'm going to say. I won't stay there. They, they want somebody else to do the hard work for them, but they want to reap the benefits of it. We can now order our food online on our phones, kick back in our lazy chairs, and someone else does the shopping for us. And if you feel like it, you can simply drive there and pick it up. They'll actually bring it out to your car for you. And if you don't feel like doing that, they'll now bring it to your home for you. Somebody shout convenience. Fast food can now be delivered to our front doors. If we don't feel like leaving our house. If we don't feel like dealing with the car dealerships, we now have someone who will deliver our brand new car to our driveway and we can simply just order it online. I actually saw not too long ago that they actually have, they have uh, um, machines in certain cities now that you can walk up to and buy your car 
And it's on a conveyor belt that will go up and come down like a pop machine and drop a pop bottle out. The door will open. You can get in your new car and drive off. Carvana. They're either geniuses or they'll be in bankruptcy soon. But there's a reason why we're starting to see more of that. Because these companies realize that there's something that we are being driven off of. The less work we can do to get more is more attractive to the younger generation than to those who sit here on these pews right now who worked and worked and worked to make just enough to get by. There's something about the older generation this younger generation could learn a lot from. They knew how to work and they never complained. They were just thankful to have food on their tables. They were thankful to have a roof over their heads. They were thankful to have a car that could get to A to B. They were thankful for those things. you got to understand something. It's beginning to creep into the church that we come in expecting somebody else to do the worship. And I'm just going to sit here and get the benefits of my neighbor's worship. But we got to realize you should be working just as hard as the person next to you. If you want to experience something from God, don't you expect somebody else to do the work for you you better get up on your feet begin to worship him because he died for you just as much as he died for them you want the benefits you better give him the worship never will a rock cry out in my place it's amazing how we're getting to this place where meals will come to our front doors that someone else prepped for us we just got to open the box and put it in the pan some of us that's the only way you can actually cook good me included I'm going to throw myself right underneath that bus I can make a mean mac and cheese and on a good day maybe grilled cheese and you talk about good ramen noodles whoo My kids are like, Lord, don't ever let anything happen to mom. Because she knows how to cook, as you can tell. But it's amazing that the convenience has gotten us to a place that we, we don't even care about whether or not we know how to do things. We don't need to know how to do things anymore. You don't need to know how to sit down and have proper grammar to write a letter to somebody because you can do it on your phone. And they got this little app called Grammarly. It'll fix your mistakes for you. You just type. Autocorrect. Autocorrect has completely destroyed the younger generation on knowing how to spell things because, oh, the computer does it for me. I let somebody else do the work. That means I don't have to give much effort. That, that's the day and age we're living in. That, that you're, you're, we got so many people that are interested. Uh, that if you're interested in something, that you'll do what's convenient. But if you're committed to something, you'll do what it takes. I'll say that again. If you're interested in something, I, I'm, I'm interested in something. I might be interested in this. It kind of, it, it kind of, you know, it caught my attention that uh, you, you'll do well. I'll make it fit into my schedule. 
because I'm interested in it. But when you're committed to something, you'll do what it takes to make sure, <laughs> to make sure that you've got it down. You see, that's why I'm challenging us to get into the Word of God. There's too many Christians that are just interested in what this says. But when we get committed to what this says, I promise you, you'll do whatever it takes to get into the presence of God. You'll get up early to be here on a Sunday morning. You say, well, I got too many kids. I've heard it say I got too many kids. It takes too long to get them ready. So we just don't even come on Sunday mornings. You're interested in God. You're not committed to him. Too many, too many Christians today, we're just interested in the things of God. So we simply just apply what's convenient in our walk with him. Because commitment requires too much of us. That's why so many Christians walk around powerless these days. Needing everybody else to pray for them. Because they fail to spend time in their own prayer closets themselves. Constantly calling for prayer, calling for prayer, calling for prayer. When's the last time you went and prayed for yourself? Constantly calling and needing counseling. Because they never spend time in the counsel of the Most High. This will fix most of your problems. If you get into it, I promise you, it will fix your problems. But it's more convenient. It's more convenient. I talked about this uh, uh, last week. It's more convenient to go in and, and lay down on the couch, couch of somebody else and pay them to tell you your problems. When you know your problems and you know a simple trip to an altar and a prayer room will fix your problems. But that requires too much of us. That requires sacrifice. They know that where his presence is, we know where God's presence is. But we just don't want to put forth the effort to get into it for ourselves. That's why in 2 Timothy 3 and 5 it talks about, this it says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. There are a lot of Christians... <laughs> They have a form of godliness. We have a form of godliness, but we're con the convenient Christians. There's a form of godliness, but we deny the power that we could have because we, we expect others to do it for us. When God becomes an inconvenience, his power becomes unattainable. When God becomes an inconvenience unto you, his power becomes unattainable to you. A lot of our problem is this. We're cup passers instead of cup bearers. What do you mean, Pastor? Matthew 26, 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face in praise, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The problem is that we've gotten to our places, we fall to our knees, and we cry out, and we take the cup instead of saying, Oh, let this cup pass from me. Oh, but not thy will. We say, Let this cup pass from me. And we leave it there. And we say, somebody else will come pick it up and finish the job for me. And I'm just going just gonna to kick back and I'm, I'll get in on the benefits of it. 
to understand that Jesus has many lovers of his kingdom, but he has few bearers of his cross. People love to come in and worship and to feel good. It feels good in here. Doesn't it feel good in here? My goodness, it feels good in here. It feels great to come into his presence. There's nothing like getting into his presence. There is nothing like to come and stand next to your brothers and your sisters and you begin to worship together. And I said it earlier that you open your mouth, begin to praise, and what's inside of you in here begins to flow out. And you begin to feel life begins to flow. You're tired and you're weary from the week and everything that's going on, but you come in here and you leave here and there's a smile on your face and there's a pep in your step. Why? because you come in here and it feels good. But God is saying, listen, Monday morning when it doesn't feel good, it doesn't mean you can lay your cross down and go on about your business. He said, you got to pick up your cross and follow me. I'm looking for somebody who will bear it and not expect somebody else to carry it for you. He said, take it up and follow me. We cry out, God, isn't there someone who could just do that for me? It'd be a lot easier. I mean, Lord, if I don't want to drive, I call Uber. Isn't there an Uber cross-carrying company or something? It'd be a lot more convenient, God. It wouldn't weigh me down as much throughout my week, you know, if I wouldn't have to schedule time to get into your presence. If I wouldn't have to schedule time to read the word, if I wouldn't have to get up earlier in the morning before I leave for school or for work to get into your word, God, it'd be a little more convenient if I could just sleep. I know this is hard to hear this morning, but I'm telling you, God's taking us to a new place. God's taking us to a new place. He wants cupbearers. He's one to say, I know this is going to be uncomfortable. God, let this cup pass from me. But if it's your will for me to carry it, I will carry this cup. God, this cross is getting heavy. But if it's your will for me to carry this and for me to follow you, I'll carry this cross until the day I die. I'm telling you right now, there's something powerful about it. Those who are, who are consistent. I watched yesterday as they took, they took and buried Pastor Begay. I watched this man all my life. A man of God seeking after what the Holy Ghost wanted. And I watched yesterday in the middle of a funeral as they began to sing a song the Holy Ghost began to sweep through that funeral home and people came up to the little makeshift altar in the front and I watched as Brother Hudson was there he began to go around laying hands on people and you could hear people speaking in tongues, the Holy Ghost was flowing, you'll see the evidence of it I promise you when you're carrying the cross up until the day you die, what you leave behind will be the effects of what you did while you were here We're always looking for a way out. Always looking for a way out. If I don't feel like driving, I can call somebody to drive me. If I don't want to go grab food, I can call somebody to grab my food. Always. There's always something. You see, many desire, many desire the comforts of God, but few desire his tribulations. Many, many love the way it makes you feel, but nobody really wants to go through what he had to go through. Listen, I'm not trying to hammer you this morning. 
I'm not. That's not my desire is not to come in here and hammer you this morning. I promise you, when I get done, when I get done, I, I pray. I pray that all of us are drawn to an altar this morning, and we're going to be changed. But uh, my, my desire this morning is to get every individual into a personal relationship with God and to stop relying on the person next to you when you come in here on Sundays. Uh, my desire is, uh, is that every single one of you young people in the point uh, that you don't have to rely on the person uh, on a Wednesday night to come and encourage you, but you let the Word of God encourage you every day. You get into the Word of God. My, my desire this morning is that every wife can look to their husband for encouragement, and every husband can look to their wife for encouragement as they begin to read and get into the Word of God together, that every child can look to mom and dad and to grandma and grandpa, that we can look to each other because we have our own personal relationship with God. Not expecting people to carry us. But the word does say to encourage each other. I want us to get to a place where we're not relying on someone else to do it for us. Where we're not looking for the convenient way out to get by just living for God. But I promise you, listen to me this morning. God spoke this so strong to me. There is coming a time. There is coming a time where you'll have to stand for God all by yourself. Hear me this morning, church. There is coming a time where you might not have your brothers and sisters next to you. And you're going to have to make the decision to stand up for yourself. The world will not only be criticizing the church, but they'll be criticizing the Christian alone. Individually. Not just life point, but they're going to start pointing at you. And they're going to start criticizing you because of what you believe in and what you stand for. And we will find ourselves standing in the shoes of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, told to bow down before false gods. And those who do not know God for themselves will bow in the spirit of convenience. You have to know him for yourself. Kids, you cannot rely on mom and dad. Saints, you can't just rely on me. I realize now, as they buried Pastor Begay yesterday, I talked to his son on the phone. I said, Junior, you know what you have to do. He said, I know, he said, he said, but it's big shoes to fill. I said, you know what you have to do. Your dad's not here to rely on anymore. Now they're looking to you. I understand that tomorrow I could be gone. Do you have a relationship for yourself? Brother Begay got up two weeks ago and made the statement. He said, the Lord might choose to take me soon. And if he does, he said, do you have a relationship with him for yourself that you can get by? Not knowing that two weeks later he'd be gone. He was preparing his church for it. Let's get back to our opening text. If you'll give me your attention just for the next few moments. 
God is preparing to speak to individuals in these altars this morning. I believe that. God is wanting to minister to us this morning. God is preparing a word for everyone who will step out of the realm of convenience this morning when I give this order call. And you will make your way to the front. God has a word for you. Specifically, God will speak it into your life. You can leave with it or you can leave without it. That is up to you. It says, now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day. You see, David and his men, they had left for a few days to attend to some business. And when they came back, the Amalekites had taken their wives, had taken their children. They'd taken everything from them. They had taken all their belongings. Anything of value was gone. Their camp was literally on fire, burnt to the ground when they arrived home. And their women, their children were gone. The Amalekites had been doing this in this time. The Amalekites were the big system of the day. So everything and anybody that had anything, they they claimed it as their own because they were so large that no one could stop them. That they, they had this mindset that they could, everyone bowed down to them out of fear. They could take whatever they wanted, everything belonged to them. We live in a world where the enemy believes that everything belongs to him. We live in a world where money has corrupted. Let me tell you something about money. People say, oh, money, it's the root of all evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. A lot of the reasons we have the evil and corruption we have today is because people fell in love with money and they fell out of love with God. Why do you think our nation is in this, the, the, the case it's in right now? Because our nation fell in love with money. And we fell out of love with God a long time ago. So the Amalekites, they came in, they took everything they wanted. And it says in verse 4, Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices. Take yourself to where they were at. Everything was gone. They lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Everything they were, everything they had, their wives, their children, everything they had was gone. Gone. Was stripped away from them. They went out and they came back and they realized. I mean, this this is all the men, like 600 people that he had with him. 600 men, his army. He goes out and he comes back and he realizes that we left them here. Nobody protect them. And now they're gone. So they cry until they can't cry anymore. And verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people, they were grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
You say, why? Why did they long to stone David? Because that's just what people do. We look for someone to blame when something goes wrong in life. Because it's convenient to not have to face it ourselves and put blame on ourselves. They left just as much as David left, but they were looking for somebody to blame because it made them feel better. Be careful that in your hurt you don't turn to your brothers and sisters and begin to attack them and blame them. They assume that it must have been David's fault. Must have been David's fault because he's the leader. It's your fault, David. It's your fault. David was in a moment in that time, speechless. You see, David had won so many battles. David was known for winning battles. It's one reason Saul didn't like him. They said that Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. So Saul tried to kill him. He didn't like him. David was used to winning. Win after win after win. From a young boy, he was used to winning. Lions, bears, giants, doesn't matter. He's a winner. It's in him. Here's this man who never loses, standing in the midst of a camp that once held his family, his children, his wife, and everybody's gone, is burnt to the ground, and his own men are done, about to stone him about to take him out. He's standing there speechless, not knowing what to do. He says, I'm not used to this. I've never been in this situation before. There's nothing he could do. There was nothing David could do. The women and the children, even his own, were gone. And now the men, his men, wanted to stone him. And David was standing there in a place of helplessness, a place of uncertainty, a place of questions, how? How could this even happen? He had no control over what happened. Nothing. He couldn't have done anything. He wasn't even there. The evil people took what was righteously ours. Our children, our wives, our families to have their way with them. And in that moment, David, David didn't say, Bring me the high priest. You see, the high priest, I've taught about this not too long ago. I talked about the, the, the tabernacle. I talked about the high priest, and the job of the high priest was to go in to get a word from God. The, the, the job of the high priest was to go in to put on all the garments and to make sure everything was in place. The high priest had a very important job. that He was the man of God who was going to go in and get a word from God for the people. And there was one thing that he wore, the, the outside garment that he wore was called an ephod. And David typically in this moment, in a situation like this, David typically would have said, go get the high priest and tell him to go and get a word from God for me. 
but not this time. David said, I'm not going to take the convenient way out. I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm not putting this on anybody else. He said, I'll take this on myself right now. So what he did, he said, go, go, don't get the high priest. He said, don't get the high priest. I don't want you, high priest. I want your ephod. Give me your ephod. He said, I'm not going to make you go in and get a word from God from me. He said, I'm going to put the ephod on myself. And I'm going to go into a place of prayer. And I'm going to say, God, give me a word. God, don't give it to anybody else. But I need a word right now. I need a word right now. Listen to me. There are people in this place right now that you're facing battles. You're facing situations. And you're waiting on somebody to go to God for you. But the veil was torn. God made a way for you to put the ephod on yourself. You got to get up this morning. And you got to say, no, I don't need the high priest. I don't need him. I got an altar. I can come to an altar myself. I can get a word from God this morning. I can get a word of God for myself this morning. Let's all stand. You're going to face battles. You're going to face battles. You've got to understand that David went with that ephod for himself. He said, I'm not giving in to the spirit of convenience. I'm not putting this on anybody else. But I'm going to go get a word for myself. And he gets in there. And you know what God tells him? God says, get up. Dust yourself off. He said, and go to the Amalekites. And I will go with you. And you will get everything back they stole from you. And he went and took his army of 600. They came to a brook and only 400 crossed with him. But he went anyways. And they went in. And here was the Amalekites. They were living life. They were living it up. They, 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 they were living in sin. And they were drinking. And they were having a fun party. They were doing their thing. And in the midst of them having a party. And in the midst of their drunkenness. They didn't even see David and his army coming. And they went in until every one of them was slain. And they took back everything they stole from them. But it started with David saying, bring me the ephod. I will do this myself. I need to have a relationship with God. I need to hear the voice of God. I need to go to that place. I need to get in his presence. Not expecting anybody else to do it this morning. You're facing battles. You're facing things. The enemy has stolen things from you. I felt it this morning. Early in prayer, I felt this so strong, and I want to say this right now. To those of you in this place that the enemy has taken your children from you. They have taken your children out of church. If you will step out this morning and say, give me the ephod. I'm not going to expect pastor to pray for them. I'm not going to expect the neighbors to pray for them. I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to claim them back myself. I'm going to claim them back myself. I'm going to win this battle myself. God said he'll honor your prayers this morning. He'll honor your prayers this morning. 
Those of you in this place, you're fighting a battle with your mind. The enemy's been messing with your mind. He's been messing with you. Come on, you know who I'm talking to right now. He's been messing with you. And when you try to talk to God, he's been distracting you. God's telling you this morning, put the ephod on and get in my presence. I'll remove all those things from you. I'll win the battle for you this morning. There are those who have been praying for answers from God. And you say, God's been silent. Pastor hasn't preached on the message I need to hear yet. They haven't sang the right song yet. God's saying, put the ephod on yourself. And get yourself into his presence. And he'll give you the answers you're looking for. Come on, these altars should be full this morning. Come on, we should be, we should be running to these altars this morning. You say, well, I'm not facing anything, Pastor. Put the ephod on anyways and get into his presence. Come talk to him. Come on. Come talk to him. Come on, you're fighting addictions in this place this morning. There are things you've been bound to for years you can't let go of. God's saying, put the ephod on and come to my presence. Lay it on an altar. I will remove it from you this morning. All over this place, come on, lift your voices. Come on right now, just you and him. Don't worry about the person next to you. They're having their own talk right now with God. All over this place. Come on, find a place right now where you're at and pray. Put the ephod on, begin to pray. Come on, quit waiting for somebody else to do it for you. Do it right now. Ha